Thank you so much for joining us today. God wants to use people like you to help build his kingdom. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to serve in the local church. If you want to get involved with College Park Church, visit collegeparkchurch.org and click on Get Involved. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org to choose the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Y'all better bear with me this morning. I haven't preached in the last three weeks. Um, I've been teaching every Tuesday. Um, I think I've found another love of mine. Um, I love teaching God's word. Um, I love going through scripture and revealing things in, in God's word that most people have no idea, including myself at times. I think one of the things that is missing in God's local church today is a true understanding. Someone shout true understanding of God's word. If you just take the word the word of God for black and white and literal without really breaking it down and studying it. Man, you'll miss, I'll promise you, you'll miss it. Yeah, I'll even say it, 80% of what God's word really has to say and what it really means. When you see the word love, man, there's like so many translations of love. When you read in regards to mercy and grace, there's like literally so many other meetings in the Greek and Hebrew, Old Testament, was written in Hebrew, New Testament was written in Greek, and when it comes to a word, the Greek word of one American word actually has 10 to sometimes 20 meanings. And so without proper understanding and study of God's word, you will actually miss the majority of it. The real root meaning of what God was trying to illustrate, instruct, in order for you to encounter and experience his presence and glory. Amen? Tuesday, man, has just been revelation. How many of you have been coming to Tuesday nights? Can you make some noise for me? Man, I'm telling you. It's been, it's been bananas, y'all. Like, one of the things that we're learning um, is that there are some things you can't pray. You can't pray for. God's word is very clear about it. I mean, I mean, if you come on a Tuesday night, prepare to, like, write scripture or write notes and, to, you know, write down scripture. Like, somebody on Facebook said that she took seven pages of notes. I thought that was, like, amazing. And then this senior citizen showed me ten pages of notes. I'm like, oh, my God. It, it, it's, it's incredible, God's word. That there are things that you are praying for that is actually your responsibility to take care of first. And it's why a lot of you are so angry at God. God, why isn't this happening in my life? Because there are things that aren't happening out of you. The Bible says, and it shall be given to them. Knock and the doors shall be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask and what? You shall receive. But how many times have you asked, didn't receive, knocked, the door didn't open? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there, why is that? It's because there is a order to the blessings and promises of God. Here's the thing that I'm constantly having to, you know, teach myself, my family, and specifically here in the last six months, all our pastors and leaders, is that salvation is unconditional. His love is unconditional. His grace and mercy is unconditional. And it, that's when you say amen. 
The Bible says his mercies are new every day. His, gra- his grace is sufficient. Amen. Amen. But even though his grace is unconditional and his mercy is unconditional and his love is unconditional, his blessings are them. And if you don't understand scripture, you will miss the majority of blessings on earth as it is in heaven. See, here, see, right now, I mean, I feel tension. You can cut the tension with a butter knife. Some of y'all thinking, man, that dude, dude, this dude's off his rockers. But if I was to ask you, why, why did you doubt? If I was to ask you, why, why is it that you have tension with what I said? You know what 99% of you would say? That's not what I was taught. I can care less what you're taught. What does God's word say? And if you would actually do inventory and self-exploration of your mind, heart, and soul, you would realize that the majority of beliefs and conviction you have is not because of revelation of God's word. It's because of some man-made doctrine that you heard. And so I grew up, I grew up where if you didn't, if you didn't, if you didn't have slacks, man, or khakis, you're going to hell, son. Right? I mean, that's how some of you felt towards the worship team. You saw their holes in their jeans. You're like, man, when I, and back in my day, you were poor when you wrote, wrote stuff like that. Glory to God. Well, we ain't back in your day. And I don't want to go back in that day. I love my iPhone. I love my technology. I love advancement when, when it comes. I love my heated seat. This brown brother hates the cold. Man, back in rear end needs some warmth and heat up in this place. Anybody? Can I, can I get another amen on that? Amen. Praise God. I don't want to go back in the day with horse and cares. I don't want to go back in the day of the Model T. Come on, somebody. Thank God for heat and coming soon air conditioning. Thank God for advancement. Just like there's advancement with cell phone, there's an advancement with technology, there has been an advancement in God's word. They only had a limited a bit of understanding back then. Just like they, you know, and how, how many of you, how many of you have a smartphone? Raise your hand up in this place. How many of you in your house, or if you have more than two cell phones in your house? Come on, so look at that. Boy, over, over 80, 90% of that house. How many of you have a rotary phone right now? One. But I bet you it's an antique and you don't use it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How many have a party line? How many have a party line? Some of you are like, what's a party line? Google it, all right? Google it. I don't got time for that. This is God's house. We're preaching God's word. You don't have a rotary phone? Yeah, some of you are like, what's a rotary phone? That's when you put your finger on it. And you're... I can't even make the noise, man. If I do it, I sound like I'm doing, you know, shooting an AK-47. Half of you would be at the church. You know, there's a gun. There's somebody with weapons of mass destruction. Is it the pastor? He looks like Al-Qaeda right now with his beard and everything and brown skin. Did somebody whistle at me? Come to the altar right now. You need prayer. But I ain't laying hands on you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. There's been advancement. And because there's been advancement, why is it that we, are, we don't advance in God's word? We take all the advancements of technology. We take all the advancements when it comes to, when it comes to redoing our homes, when it comes to redoing our businesses. But when it comes to God's word, we're prehistoric. We're prehistoric. 
you know, we're wondering why all these people are, in, the world's increasing, but we're lacking. Yeah, man, because you're trying to build a house with a pile of sticks. How about you go to Lowe's and buy some bricks, man? Wasting your time with foolishness. And a lot of times we come to church and we waste so much time in foolishness praying for something that God says, prayer ain't going to fix that. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous person avail a month. Prayer has its purpose. But so does responsibility when it comes to humanity. Thank you for that one clap. Thank you for that one clap. It's like a, it's like, man, it's like a four-letter cuss word in the church when I preach responsibility and discipline. But if I was to preach like my wife was preaching earlier, man, God's going to make every mountain look beautiful. But don't you realize it takes responsibility to get to that place? Oh, God's going to make every hump and every mountaintop, and he's going to make it a pretty place. Oh, glory to God. But it takes discipline to accomplish that one day. Somebody say discipline. Ooh, boy, some of you didn't want to say that because you're like, I ain't cussing in church. But let's go through God's word. Something I really want to reveal to you, I, I believe for the majority of us, it's something that we have no understanding of. And in Matthew 25, those of you who are, how many, show of hands, how many were here this past Tuesday night? We're going to actually go a little bit deeper with just this one chapter. Matthew 25, about the parable of the talents. Out of the New Living Translation, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, it says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a young man going on a long trip. This is Jesus speaking, and he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Because in order, to have, in order to operate with kingdom principles, to establish a kingdom reign, you must understand the kingdom itself. Somebody shall understand the kingdom. So again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. If you have the NIV, I believe it says gold. If you have the King James or New King James, it says talents. We'll get to that in a minute of why there's different, uh, different explanations or you know, different words given to this parable. And he gave to the one, or he gave to the last only one, dividing it, this is key, in the proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Verse 14 and 15 lets us know that what you have is based on what you can take. What you have is based on what you can handle. God can't give you more because you'll destroy it all. God wants to give you more, but until you're able to, until you're a wise steward and can use what you have well, you'll always remain, what you have will always remain. Amen? Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, if you're taking notes, man, this is, this is so key. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. Verse 21. The master, full of praise, 
said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received the two bags of silver, though, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you are a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your gold, your silver, your talent, your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money, take the gold, take the silver, the talent from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Verse 29 is crazy. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This scripture right here is convicting. This scripture right here is revolutionary. Because this scripture right here debunks a lot of wrong theology, wrong theology that a lot of us have grown and learned in, in this history of faith. You see, there are scriptures like Ephesians 3.20 in the King James that says, Now unto him who is able to do more exceedingly, abundantly, all we think or ask according to his power and works. How many of you know God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more you can think or ask? Make some noise in this place. Come on now. How many know God wants to bless you, make you the head and not the tail like Scripture says? God wants, to, God wants his people to prosper. God wants you to prosper in such a way that when the enemy comes against you one way, Scripture says you'll flee seven different ways. Come on. Amen? But Matthew 25 lets us know of this kingdom order. Someone shout kingdom order. <laughs> Blessings are conditional. Abundance, we're about to see, is conditional. And one, the main condition in order to experience blessing and abundance in God is using what you have right now well. Look to your name and say, are you using it well? See, some of you have... Some of you have prayer requests. You know, God, help me, help, me with my mom, help me with my mom and dad. Help me with my spouse to be a better spouse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, help me with my finances. Anybody praying 
for God to help you with your finances. You know, I'm probably almost all of us in this place, for the most part, is praying for that. But in order for God to help you, you have to help you. In order for God to help you, you got to help you first. And so what happens, what I see in Scripture in Matthew 25, is that God has given to each of you. Say, God has given to me. Talents equal to what I can handle. Please let that sink in. The Bible says in Matthew 25, there are two particular verses I, want, I really want to hit. It's when the guy with the five comes back and the guy with the two comes back. There's something I want you to see when it comes to the increase, like every one of you want to happen to, the increase that every one of us are wanting to happen to each of us in this place. Can you bring up those two scriptures, Carlos? The servant to whom had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags, five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The same thing happened in verse 22. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. Do you realize the increase is not up to God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? It's up to you. Wealth is your responsibility. Well, I know I ain't going to get no amens on that. <laughs> Wealth is your responsibility. We said it Tuesday, I'll say it again. Solomon penned in Proverbs, if you hang out with the wise, you'll become wise by default. Just hanging out with smart people not just a highlight moment, but consistently, something will change in your life. Something will transform within your soul. Something will then, if you're committed to that and disciplined, something will manifest out of your life. It's interesting when somebody wants to lose weight, whether it's through nutrition or working out, in order for somebody to see extreme goals. By the way, man, you look sharp today, man. You look Man, can y'all look at this guy? He looks sharp today. I was like, even his socks on point, man. Even his socks on point. Great day. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. I mean, I, I lost what I was preaching, man, looking at you, man. You're just looking all fly up in church right now. Solomon said, if you hang out with the wise, you'll become wise. But if you hang out with fools, it will bring forth destruction. You might not be doing anything foolish, but if you're hanging out with foolish, your finances, family, and everything in your, in your faith will be destroyed. I, 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 I'm trying to give you the keys to the kingdom right now. See, the Bible says, be you transformed. How many of you want your life to be transformed? It's hinged, Romans says, by the renewing of your mind. That's why if you read all the versions, NIV, New King James, the message. In fact, Mason, I love this Bible, man. I saw this when I was reading this, not even with my Bible study tools. I saw it when I was reading this Bible. That NIV says gold, NLT says silver, King James says talent. And I was like, why, why the difference? Because when I read and was studying, when it was talking about in Matthew 25, this currency of money, all it was was a reference for measurement. It wasn't something specific. 
Because if it's silver, then it's actually, one talent is actually $6,000. If it's gold, it's like $198,000. So which one is it? It doesn't, the value isn't necessarily the importance of scripture. It's about what you desire to be able to handle mentality in your life. Whatever a man thinks, so is he. So if you always have a poverty mindset, you always get poverty kind of mentality. Or if you always have a poverty mentality, you always have poverty responsibility. And so what happens in the church, we see that it's no, it's no wonder that South Carolina is, you know, one, one of the top five um, states in, the, um, in, in North America for, for, for the, when it comes to the poverty level. And it's no wonder that it's church people who always trash Christians who are living in wealth and splendor. Regardless if John Gray was right or wrong with buying his wife a 200,000 Lamborghini, the brother has wealth. People forget he's more than a preacher. He has a television show. He has books. He has a, I, people talk to me all the time. Well, what do you think about Joel Osteen? Do you realize Joel Osteen doesn't get paid a salary at his church? Some of you are like, he's a millionaire by default because of his books? Rick Warren doesn't get paid a, a salary from his church? In fact, every dollar that Saddleback Church in California paid him from the time he was hired. He paid back because he, came, he became a millionaire based on that one book, Purpose Driven Life, and paid every dollar back. But people want to trash him. I can't believe that preacher buying all that kind of stuff. And it's your responsibility. You want to earn one talent your whole life? Earn one talent. If you want to earn five talents and make it ten talents, earn ten talents. How many 10 talent Christians are we going to have by the end of the service? Make some noise for me. And so your entire life, you've placed the responsibility in the hands of God when the entire time God's placed the responsibility in your hands. The Bible says in the very beginning in the book of Genesis that he created the heavens and the earth. Every creepy collar thing he made. Everything with a root he created. Everything on the heavens and the earth he created. Someone shout, he did it. But after he created everything, in order for Adam and Eve to experience everything, there came a moment where he sat back and was like, mm, boy, I'm a bad dude. I'm good. I'm actually not taking it out of context either, like some of you are probably thinking right now, if you actually study that. And what blows my mind, God looks to Adam and says, now you, after I've created everything for you, now you. Someone shout me. He says to me, he says to you, now I'm giving you the responsibility to have power, dominion, and authority over everything. Over everything. Almost, it's a, this scripture in Matthew 25, when you take literally the Greek meaning of the majority of those words, it literally connects to Genesis. When God created everything, when God gave to Adam, it's the same reference when God gave to these three servants, I'm giving to you. I'm bestowing upon you. I'm honoring you because I realize this is what you can handle. At that time, in the beginning, there was no sin. There was no dysfunction. There was no corruption. It was perfect and it was complete. Because of that nature, that's why Adam and Eve were able to experience everything. 
That thing is in connection to Ephesians 1-3 where the Bible says every heavenly blessing is ours. Someone shout, every heavenly blessing is mine. It's yours by default if you're a son of the king, if you're a daughter of the king. How many daughters and sons do we have in the house? Make some noise for me. But, but, but let me ask you, do you have the mentality? Do you have the mentality? Because I'm, you think I'm talking about prosperity. I have, this has nothing to do with prosperity. This has something to do with more than prosperity. It has everything to do with everything. Everything. It's more than just wealth. It's more than just money. But it's about authority. And the Bible says responsibility. Because based on what I can handle is determined by the responsibility that he places on me to handle when it comes to the kingdom of God here on earth. So the reason why you're not given responsibility is because you're not a wise steward with the talents and treasures in your hand right now. That's why I will never have a leader on my staff whose family is dysfunctional. Never will. Now, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that you didn't have past dysfunction and now you're trying to mend it. Because we all got a little bit of dysfunction. Can, can we all say amen? I don't even want to go through the dysfunction that was happening last night in my house. That would be embarrassing for me. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is when people hide what is really going on in their life. When people try to disregard the issues that are at hand. When people try to act like nothing's going on and God's like, there's so much going on in front of your face right now. Are you going to take responsibility over it? And so we see this. Bring back that scripture, man. Bring back that scripture. The increase, the wealth, everything changed based on what they did with the things in their hands. What are you doing with what's in your hands? What are you doing with what's in your life? Do you realize, yeah, well, but Pastor Mike, that don't sound biblical. The Bible says, you know, no weapon formed against you shall profit. He says weapon, not giant. You still got to kill your giant, David. You still got to face, you got to still face that foe, man, woman of God, child of the king. You still got to, you still got to face an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy the promises of God in your life in order for it not to manifest and for you to encounter it all the days of your life. Your giant is your responsibility. Fear is your responsibility to destroy Insecurity is your responsibility to destroy. That is my responsibility to be disciplined all the days of my life to say, I'm going to cast down every vain imagination. I'm going to take captive every thought that would exalt itself above God. It's my responsibility, Paul says, to beat my body into subjection and make my body my slave. It's my responsibility, not the church's. For some of us, we, put our, we make our mama responsible. We make our daddy responsible. We make pastors and churches responsible when God's like, no, you are. You are. You are. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy that we can have, we can, there could be a dad, who an alcoholic dad that raises two kids. One ends up becoming a millionaire and, was, and, and the other one becomes poor. And the one who becomes a millionaire was like, how in the world did you not become like your dad? Because everything he did, I decided I'll never do. But then talk to the guy who's an alcoholic, talk to the other guy who went, 
completely left field and was like, man, I see you're just like your daddy. I know. That was just my standard. That's all I could look up to. It's all about mindset. You want God to take you to a new level. God's waiting for you to get a new mindset. And until you get a new mindset, you'll never be transformed. Right? That one kingdom principle can change your entire life. Right here and right now. Everything in life that you want God to transform is residing in your mind. Whatever a man thinks, so is he. Because whatever you think, you'll speak. The Bible says the tongue is so powerful. With it, you can speak life or death, blessings or curses. But it's crazy to me that in the local church today, we have so many people living in poverty spiritually, living in poverty emotionally, living in poverty physically. And it's like our life is so bankrupt by the enemy. And we can't get forward. We can't take one step towards the goal. And we wonder, what's going on with me? It's because you don't understand kingdom order. And you haven't transitioned your mind with a kingdom mindset. See, people who have a kingdom mindset seem arrogant sometimes. Only around the those who have a poverty one, though. Only them. Because the, when you start speaking like a king, son, man, people were like, man, who, do you, who does Brian think he is? Talking about, man, no weapon formed against himself prosper. Don't you know that we all struggling? Look at him. He think he all better than us. No, I don't think I'm better than you. I know who's better than all of it, and he lives inside of me. Amen. Taking care of everything in and through my life. Amen. Even though the giant is your responsibility, his power is yours working through you. And his power is only activated when you step into the, the level of responsibility. That's why none of you will never experience the power of God until you take responsibility. Take responsibility of your failures. Take responsibility of every sin that you've ignored and made excuses for. Take, come, come to a place where you actually repent. Because that, I mean, isn't that the key? Isn't that the formula to living a life of abundance? Man, those who are called by my name, if they would just humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. You want God to heal what's dead? You want God to resurrect what's dead? You want God to raise back to life what's dead? How about you humble yourself, put on the, clothe yourself in humility, repent and get on your knees and watch God do everything around you and turn it around. God is going to turn it around when you turn your mind around. God will turn your situation around when you turn your mind to the place where you have the mind of Christ. The Bible says, put on the mind of Christ. Did God, did Jesus ever get dysfunctional, ever get insecure when it came to the enemy hitting him, the enemy lying to him, the enemy tempting him? What happened every time the enemy came? He said, it is written, devil. My God, you need to get the word of God written in your life. You need to get the word of God etched in your heart. David said, I hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against my God. Why am I falling? Because you're following people. That's why you're falling. But my God, if you get God's word and his Holy Spirit together, he will birth everything. My God, he'll birth everything. And so here in this scripture, we see something take place. You need, some of you need, still need more proof. Let's give you more proof. The Bible says that they said, you know what? You gave me five, I have earned you ten. 
you have gave me to, I have earned you for. What have you earned with what God has placed in your hand? And so this, man, it gets crazier. It gets so. In verse 24, then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Now, now two things he says that, that, that just blow my mind, two things. These aren't even in my notes. And I, I didn't even give him this, but I just see this as I'm reading. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. That you could actually increase in your life without having him doing anything. Did you just see that? Open your Bible and please read it for yourself. You didn't sow the seed, God. You didn't cultivate the soil. I've heard my entire life that it's God's responsibility. Now I'm seeing, no, 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 some of the stuff, not all of it. In the spirit, it's his. In the natural, it's mine. In the spirit, God will take care of every demonic force for you. Because in order to take care of a supernatural enemy, you need a supernatural power. But I'm a natural man given natural responsibility, power, and dominion over this. It's up to me. And this is crazy. In verse 29, we see something change. We think, well, maybe, maybe this guy just has a wrong viewpoint, a wrong interpretation. But then the master says it again. The master says it himself. Then he ordered, take the money. No, I'm sorry. Verse 26. But master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? You knew I, don't, I didn't harvest. You knew I didn't sow. You knew I didn't cultivate. This is the master speaking. This is the master speaking. Wonder why. Some of you have had all these questions. Why is it all these wicked people are wealthy? Because they understand faithfulness when it comes to money. You think it's the rich get richer. No, it's the faithful get richer. You think, you think rich get no. Faithful people get richer, not richer get richer. Because if you're the one with the one talent, you could have doubled it and made it in two. Then double that two and made it four. Double that four and made it eight. Turn that eight into 16. It's all up to you. Someone said it's all up to me. The things of the natural. Why are you preaching this? See, if you only listen to this one message, you think I care nothing about God or Holy Spirit. But if you've been a part of this church the last six months, you would think all I care about is Holy Spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because 90% of my messages is Holy Spirit. Can, that, can the people who call this house, call this place your house, say amen? amen? So for those of you, this might be your first, second, or third time, don't take me out of context, all right? I'm just trying to put everything in its, um, in, in its place in order for you to walk and, and experience purpose in him. Go back to the very beginning. This is, this, is, this is biblical. The only people who experience miracles are either unbelievers or baby Christians who experience miracles over and over and over again. Need biblical proof? You never see a miracle, a sign wonder, like you did in Eden. 
Never again do you see it ever happen like that. All increase and change and growth and multiplication is now up to Adam and Eve. Anything that's added to the earth, the, whole, the Bible says that he gave them the command, fill the earth. God didn't fill the earth. Adam and Eve, you fill the earth. Genesis chapter 5 says, Genesis chapter 3, God, um, Adam aimed Neve. And he, aimed, and he named Eve, Eve, because she, it means mother of everything. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says, after Seth was born, he lived 800 years, and he had many sons and daughters. How many, how many of you didn't know that Adam and Eve had daughters? You know what I mean? He didn't just have Cain, Abel, and Seth. No, he, they gave birth to every living thing. And so what ends up happening is that we see God give this order. Someone shout order. He gives this order where he starts everything, but then he hands it off in order for you to have responsibility for it all. We see this again with the children of Israel. The Bible says that he called Moses, and Moses ended up becoming somewhat of like a Jesus, a, a mock of Jesus, a type, a shadow of Jesus to be the deliverer of God's people. The Red Sea is a type, a shadow of sanctification where it's split, where their past is totally eradicated, and now they're walking in freedom. The only past is you might be out of Egypt. The problem with Israel, they couldn't get Egypt out of them. And so what ends up happening is even though they weren't living in Egypt, they still had Egypt mindset. They never changed. Because they never changed, their life was never transformed. Because the Bible says, again, let me, let me paint this picture. Be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. If you can't change your mindset, you'll never experience purpose. Your mindset is the key to a life changed and to experience and encounter blessing. How many of you literally want to experience overflow in God? Seriously, you really want to experience overflow. Then you got to change your mindset and understand your identity. Holy Spirit, thank you. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. It's a parable of the foolish virgins, or the parable of the five wise, five foolish. The five, let's just read it. I'll just read it for you. Matthew chapter 25. Verse 1, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps, went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Say, five were foolish. And five were wise. Say, five were wise. Verse 3, the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Say, extra oil. Say, more than enough. Say, overflow. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a loud shout. They were aroused by this shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridegrooms got up, prepared their lamps. The five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamp stamps are going out. But the others replied, we do not have enough for all to go for. We don't have enough for all of us. To, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop, buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom, or another one, NIV, King James says, the virgins came, or the bridegroom came. And then those who were ready went 
in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other virgins returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Now, now here's another convicting passage of Scripture. Five, say five wise, five foolish. It's talking about ten virgins. Ten were wise, ten were, fo- ten were foolish. What was the indicators of these five virgins that were classified as foolish? I'll tell you what the Bible doesn't say a foolish person is. A homosexual. A murderer. He doesn't go through a list of sins. In fact, they're pure. They're pure. Catch it. All represents Holy Spirit. So they had Holy Spirit. But they were living in overflow. And they missed it. And they missed the bridegroom. So you think what we're doing, there's no need for that. I'm saying you need it. <laughs> you think there's no need to praise God like that. There's no need to pray, pray to God like that. There's no need to worship and, 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 and like, like that. I'm saying you better. You better get that overflow. You better pay that price before you miss the bridegroom one day because you're foolish thinking, I don't need it. What? Isn't that what happened? I don't need that. They had the anointing. They had the Holy Spirit, but they didn't have enough to where it was overflowing in and through their life. Are you increasing in the spiritual things of God to where they are more than enough? So, so here we are in the typical 21st century church. Well, this is good enough. I prayed enough. I worshiped enough. I gave enough. Enough is not enough. I got to give it all. Thank God he didn't just do enough, but he gave his body as a living sacrifice. He gave it all for me. And because he gave it all for me, he only asked of one thing. Will you give all of you? Is there any sons and daughters, daughters saying, I'm not just going to give you some. And I'm not just going to give you enough. I'm not just going to give you some. And I'm not just going to give you what's required. But God, I'm going to give you exceedingly, abundantly, all you've ever asked or thought of my life. I'm not asking for you to give it, but I'm going to give it back to you. You want God to give it to you, pressed down, shaking together and overflowing? How about you give it back to him, pressed down, shaking together and overflowing? You want God to give something in you to you? How about you give it to her first, him? You want God to give you something? How about you sacrifice it to him? Your blessing is hinged on your preparation and giving. In any area of your life. It's not just money, but it's even the spiritual things. How many of you literally want heaven to open up on you? See, some of you, some of you were like, man, how many of you were here last week? Last week was just crazy. It was crazy. 
But once God walks you through the wilderness through a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, there comes a time now that you better kill your giant, Joshua. God didn't slay the giant. Joshua had to. God didn't slay Goliath. David had to. And if Joshua had to do it, and David had to do it, and Jesus had to do it on a cross, so do you. You got to crawl on that cross and nail that rebellious nature on it. You got to climb up on that old, rickety, rugged, rugged cross and, man, nail that attitude to it. You got to nail that mindset to it. You got to nail that old man to it. You got to nail that old lifestyle to it and say, I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You want God to do something new? Stop living in the past. Past hurt, past pain, past relationships, and step up over that and walk into your sign, wonder, and miracle in the present. And so, praise the Lord. And so here's the thing, that the truth that you got to get deep in your soul, not your spirit, your soul. What is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. you got to settle, make a choice, and decision. I'm going to increase. What little I have, I'm going to do it. See, I, I, grew, I grew up where ramen noodles was a normal thing. It was normal. McDonald's was like once every three months. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Every once in a while, I went to Captain D's because kids eat free. Y'all have Captain D's up here? I don't even know. Y'all got Long John Silver's. The devil is alive. Captain D's, boy. About to go somewhere south. Just a split second. I I grew up where the best shoes I had were the hand-me-downs from the pastor's son. And they were always three to four sizes bigger because he was way older than me. But, man, I would rock them things in second grade and third grade like they were brand-new Christmas shoes, man. And it's crazy now. Dadgum, if God ain't prospering me. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because of what he's done for me and through me, what he's placed in my hand in order to take care of responsibility. And so people will say, well, Pastor Mark, how can you do this and how do you do that? Do you realize pastoring isn't my only means of money and as far as my salary, that we have other means of making money. The church isn't my whole life. Even though a lot of you think, no, that's just how I hustle. That's how I, that's how I work. That's how I live. I'm going to give God everything. That God can take one business that cost us $300 and now it's a $2,500 a month increase Projected by May to be five thousand. I'm not bragging. I'm bragging about what I'm. I'm bragging about what he's doing. And now we're now we're trying to sift as far as find another way of creating wealth with what he's placed in my hands. I want to speak to every business owner in this place. How many of you are a business owner or a potential business owner? Raise your hand in this place. Don't you allow the enemy to lie to you. To think that what you're doing is worldly. The devil is alive. That is a kingdom order that he has placed inside of your life. And God's desire is for you to increase. Every business owner, potential business owner, can you raise your hand? I just want to speak a special prayer over your life right now. 
In the name of Jesus, I rebuke a spirit of poverty in this house. According to your word, you placed this inside of us. According to your word, you laid this in our hand. And I pray a spirit of acceleration and expansion on their life right now. That, Lord God, it only takes one connection to turn it all around. It only takes one phone call to turn it all around. It only takes one word for everything to shift in their favor. And, Father God, right now, move it in their favor as they are wise and use what you've already given wisely with their hands. And so, Father God, based on their responsibility, bless them. Based on their discipline, bless them. Based on their faithfulness, you bless them. And let it be 10 and 100 fold in Jesus' name. Because somebody give God praise right now for what he's going to do for you. I'm breaking this poverty mentality. God doesn't just bless the poor. He blesses the rich and everyone in between. He blesses all people. Someone shout, he blesses all people. Someone shout, he's going to bless me. When I live with godly order. Ooh, not too many people want to say that. Stop putting on God what God has put on you. Man, I just want to go through the whole old men's sessions for the last three weeks. Can't even do that right now for the sake of time. I'm already over my time, but I'm always over my time. I just... I just want to give you everything that is in my heart. Is that okay? I want you to understand everything that God is revealing to me. That is why it's so important you read God's word. Let me give you this, this principle as the Holy Spirit is literally downloading me. Joshua, Moses, Caleb, over two million people experienced God in such a supernatural way. They didn't have to work for the water. God made it come out the rocks. They didn't have to kill anything to eat. God brought the food from the sky, manna from heaven. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Am I the only one that knows scripture or these, you know, these Bible, these real true Bible stories? But the moment they walked into the promised land, that never happened again. Manna never came from the sky again. No supernatural miracle like that ever manifested again. Oh, well, let's go to the New Testament, Acts 2. And they were all assembled in one accord. And a clothed of tongue of fire came in and filled the whole place. All who were there spoke with an unknown tongue. Do you realize, if you ever read the life of Peter, James, John, all the disciples, it never like that ever happened again. Ever. Ever. Never in that kind of meeting. Because it's now, Paul, it's now Peter, James, it's now your responsibility to go into the whole world and give what you've received. So you'll see Peter go into a city, and you'll see Paul go into a city, not in the church, but outside. Supernatural blessings happen like it was in Acts 2 to people who were either unbelievers or born again. But when it came to believers, it's your responsibility to not receive but to give it to everyone who's in need. That's why for some of you, you've been, how many of you have been in church longer than five years? Raise your hand. 
Put your hands down. Some of you who don't come on Tuesday nights, you'll miss this. How many of you know 1st, 2nd Corinthians in the Bible, in the New Testament? Show, show of hands. You know 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Paul wrote that. He only spent 18 months in Corinth. The oldest Christian was 18 months old. 18 months old, and they were walking in the prophetic. They were walking with their heavenly language. They were manifesting signs, wonders, and miracles. 18 months old. From never hearing about God or Holy Spirit ever in their entire life. Some of you have been serving God your entire life. These people have it. The average believer in the church of Corinth, because Paul stayed there for 18 months, was anywhere from one month to six months old. For, for let's, say, let's say eight months for the sake of math. For eight months, they're hearing about God for the very first time. Hearing about Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. But something changed in their mindset to believe. You know what the key thing to, in order to be a believer is? You gotta believe. You gotta believe that He's gonna bless you with every heavenly blessing. You gotta believe that He's for you, not against you. You gotta believe no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You better believe that every heavenly blessing is mine. You better believe He's called me to lay hands on the sick and they recover, to lay hands on the blind and they receive their sight. You better believe. But James says, when you pray, believe. But if you doubt, you are a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. Don't think for any, don't think for one minute, the message says, you'll get anything for him. I want to, I want to, I want to debunk all the disorder in God's church. Where people say, all you got to do is cry out to the name of the Lord. Yeah, you do, but you better believe him. Rebuke all the issues. You want to step into new blessing? Step out of your old lifestyle. The Bible says, come out from among them. Someone shall come out from among them. That's your choice. It's your choice to stop cussing. Stop hanging out with people who cuss. It's your choice to get freedom from insecurity. Stop asking the opinions of other people about Bible and spiritual things. Lee Monroe told me one time, the lowest line of intelligence is opinion. And some of you, your whole entire life has been based on opinion. The lowest line of intelligence that you can ever get in your life. Someone shall get away from opinion and get to God's word. Get away from opinion and hide his word in my heart. You need to hide his word in your heart. And that's why you'll never get to a place not sinning until you get to a place where you hide his word. Specifically speaking, this Sunday, I told three people, this Sunday's going to be a unique Sunday. They said, why? Because I ain't going to lay hands on no one. We ain't having no altar call this Sunday. Because this is a call to everyone in this house today. Are you going to take responsibility, church? Over your mindset, over your emotions, and over your soul, and nail it at the cross. If not, your life will never change. I, I, we will not build a mega church where people get excited about the promises of God, but live in dysfunctional and disorderly in this house. I want you to know God's word. Because I want you to experience God's promises. I want you to experience God's blessings. 
I want you to experience the supernatural. But man, I don't want to just, I don't want miracles. I want victory. I don't want signs and wonders. I want to, I want to be an overcomer. Israel experienced signs, wonders, and miracles, but they died in the wilderness. Signs, wonders, and miracles is not enough. It takes boldness, and it takes courage that can only be accompanied by the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. And until we are baptized, truly engulfed, I just don't want to have the Holy Spirit save me. I want the Holy Spirit to submerge me. I just don't want to have some of the oil in my life. No, I want to have it all to where I'm constantly, consistently overflowing. Someone shall overflow. Some of you have no clue what the baptism is, and you've lived in a Pentecostal church your entire life. Remember last week, man? Wasn't last week something? The Bible says that there are two ways you receive Holy Spirit. The examples I gave last Tuesday were Resurrection Sunday and what? Pentecost Sunday. Most Christians are living in Resurrection Sunday. that means? Jesus is resurrected, but he hasn't ascended with all power yet. He didn't have his glorified body yet. The Bible says that Jesus, walked, after he was resurrected, the Bible says that he went down to hell, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He walked through the doors. And the Bible says that he showed the disciples the nail-pierced hands and the, and the, where he was stabbed and jabbed by the spear in his side. They, someone shout, they encountered Jesus. You would think encountering Jesus is more than enough. It's not. How can you say that? The Bible says that Peter and all the disciples were in Acts 2, the Bible says, in fear. Other scripture, if you re read it for yourself, don't take me for granted that Peter ran and was fishing and was isolated alone. There was boldness had not reached the disciples yet. A level of courage we don't see happen yet. But the Bible says that when he exposed and encountered himself to disciples, the Bible says, and when he showed them, he said, and he breathed on them, and he said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. So they received the Holy Spirit. But they didn't receive Pentecost, Holy Spirit. Jesus later on tells them, I think it's in Acts 1, says, tarry here, stay here until the comforter comes. And you are, a key word, key phrase, you are endued with power. Fast forward to Acts 2. The Spirit of God comes like a clothed tongue, fill the entire place. You never see Peter run away again. You never see Peter fearful again. 
You never see Peter isolate himself again after he experienced the baptism and the power. Why am I always living in fear? Because you've encountered the resurrected Savior. But you haven't been baptized in his Holy Spirit. God, right now, I feel so strongly in my, my soul is crying out. My spirit's crying out. He wants to baptize some of you. He wants to transition you from being pure but foolish to being wise and overflow. Being just saved and receiving the breath, Holy Spirit of God, but being totally emerged in all of him where he has all of you. And I believe in this place that if you actually explore your life, the majority of us have never been baptized. You've been baptized in water. In fact, man, we read, I don't know how many scriptures last Tuesday. They said, what baptism are you talking about? I know the baptism of John. I know the baptism of water. No, we're not talking about water of John. We're talking about Holy Spirit. Bible said, was it Philip that prayed on them? They got saved. The disciples got word of it. Peter came. And then he said, and he laid hands on them. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they received boldness and spoke with a new tongue. But they were saved. Isn't that enough? If you ask Peter, he would say, that's not enough. If you ask James, James would say, being saved is not enough. If you ask Jesus, Jesus would even say being pure is not enough. You need to have more than enough. You need to operate and desire to live in a state of overflow. And you would say this morning, I want to experience overflow. Would you stand to your feet? Please, please. Only those who want to operate in overflow this morning. In order to experience overflow. In order to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to do it this morning, that he'll only do it to the people who are desperate. He only delivers desperate people. If you have all those questions in your mind, you'll never get it. A double-minded man is unstable. Shout unstable. You either receive it or you don't. You either believe all of it or you don't. You can believe some of it. God says you won't get it. But unless you believe, you'll never truly receive. And I want to speak to the person who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and wants to experience an overflow this morning. I want you to step out of your seat and into the hall or in the aisle. Just step out of your seat and stand in the aisle. Don't come to the altar. You want to walk in. Step out of your seat in the aisle. Holy Spirit is going to come in like a mighty river, like today, like it's going to happen right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Woo, Jesus. You want to be baptized.
for those of you who are standing in the hall, understand God's order. The Bible told, the Bible tells us that when Jesus encountered the disciples, he breathed on them and he said, receive. He's not going to make you. You have to receive him. What do you mean, Pastor Mark? You have to open your mouth and you got to breathe in, Holy Spirit. He's going to breathe. For those of you who are standing there, you're not going to, you can't understand this. You have to experience it. It can only be encountered and experienced. It can't be understood. The Pharisees killed Jesus because they couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand him. They killed the disciples for the same reason. They couldn't understand him. You can't understand the supernatural. It can only be received. So for those of you who are standing where you're at, this is only for the ones who are standing, who had enough boldness and courage, where you are standing right now. Open your mouth and receive Holy Spirit right now. If you close your mouth, you can't breathe in. If you close your mouth, you can't receive. If you close your mouth, you say, God, don't come in. But those of us who say, God, I receive you, open your mouth and receive. He wants to change your heart. He wants to cleanse your mind. He wants to heal your heart right now. Those of you who have your heavenly language, I need, I need, I need, I need your faith this morning. I need you to create an atmosphere with us. Create an atmosphere for this group. Let our faith connect with their faith. Don't try to speak in tongues right now. Just let them, let Holy Spirit do what he wants right now. Let him, let him love you. <laughs> let him love you. You don't need me to lay my hands on you. You need his presence to come within and you're going to experience an authentic, genuine encounter with him right now. This is your encounter, not mine. Because if I touch you, another person can touch you and change you. But when the Holy Spirit touches you, ain't nobody going to take this away from you. Holy, people of faith, stir the atmosphere in this place. Open your mouth, young ladies. Let him know you surrender. Let him know you give him all. Let him know you're not my Savior only, but you are Lord. I give you permission to command everything in my life and to shift it, change it, move it. Open it. Unless it's your heavenly language, I don't want no natural singing right now. And right now, where you are standing, the Bible says in Acts 2, and they spoke with new tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Is this me? It is you, but the Spirit's giving it to you. And he's like, well, that's she, that's natural. It is natural right now, but it's about to be turned around to something super and above and beyond all I can think or ask because it's going into him. 
And so right where you stand, right here, right now, God has given it to you. Enemies trying to steal it from you. But open up your mouth and give God what he is giving to you right here and right now. And let the power of Holy Spirit baptize you right now. Open up your mouth and let that utterance he is wanting to give to you come out. Oh, my God. It's okay. Don't force it. Don't force it. Right now. Love him. Love him. Love him. Don't force him. Love him. And let a river of love flow through you as he gives you a new level because you are walking in a new mindset to want to talk to him and communicate with him. Right now, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes, Holy Spirit. Pastor Blake, stay here. We give you praise, glory, and honor in this place, Lord. This is your house. This is your temple. This is your moment, Lord. This is your time. As you minister... As you minister, Holy Spirit, the way you will, we surrender to you. 